This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. All right, everyone. Welcome to App 530 on Main here at the Extension Studio, 530 Main Street, Evansville, Indiana. App 530 on Main is brought to you by VPS Architecture and Extend Group. Mike Davis, my co-host over here. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Weekend was Thanksgiving. You know, oh, yeah. Thanksgiving coming up. Stuff to get done. And we don't have 66 inches of snow. That may be good. That may be bad for some people. Um, yeah, I had actually was looking and, you know, scrolling endlessly through social media this weekend and saw people had made, like where you open your front door, had made uh, refrigerators out of the snow where they were putting their Cokes and yeah. cold beverages and some of their food outside of the door. They just carved out little windows and, and made it uh, a cooler. Well, and our guest today is supposed to be up there, right? Yeah, I'm going we up to visit my brother in New York. It's supposed to be the second week in December, hopefully be... Uh Melted by then. <laughs> yeah. So we are blessed today to have Jarvis Joyner. He is the founder of JQOL. Uh, Jarvis is the founder. Uh, JQOL is an engineering firm offering site and civil structural, uh, multi-module, and transportation engineering, along with construction, administration, survey, and sustainability services. Jarvis, Welcome to the at 530 on main podcast before i butcher that any any more as i say uh, as we've started this uh, new experience on at 530 on main with the introductions what's the journey that brought you here today awesome well i guess just to tell everybody what jql stands for and it's a joiner quality of life with the uh, vision of improving the quality of life through engineering so president and founder lofton in 2019 um pretty exciting i just just hearing you read out all those different items, I sometimes forget all the services that we've offered. We uh, started off with three services, and wow, it's expanded to a lot since then. So um, it's been an amazing journey. We hit our four-year anniversary in January. So, you know, from that, 45 people, offices in Indianapolis, Owensboro, Kentucky, and Louisville. Wow. Yeah. So... Uh Tell us a little bit about your experience and what led you to founding JQOL. You know, it kept coming back to why I became a civil engineer. You know, it goes back to, remember that game called SimCity? Yeah. You know, we, we get to play SimCity every single day uh, of my life by building communities. You know, um, we're so blessed in America to have you know, resources to build communities, water, you know, topography, all these different items. And so, you know, what we do as civil engineers, we build cities from, I like to use the example, when you wake up in the morning, well, you brush your teeth, well, we bring the clean water to your home and then you use a bathroom flush your toilet. Well, we treat the water that goes back into the ecosystem. After that, you drive to your next destination. Well, we're the transportation engineers that create that transportation network. And when you get to your facilities, such as this, we're the structural survey engineers to help create that experience. And so all these different things all go back to the quality of life, which we all essentially search for. So what was the experience that made you say, I want to be an engineer? <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> what was that experience? Ironically, I've always wanted to be a business owner. In fact, I wanted to be a civil engineer since I think... Fifth grade, maybe. Wow. I knew directly what I wanted. Now, within civil engineering, you know, what type is what I had to really, really figure out uh, what it was. But the experience is, yeah, we have grown uh, 45 people in four years. But the experience was, you know, the entire life of getting to this point. You know, every position, every job that I took to lead to make this effort to build up you know, the the experience of owning a company, the experience of 
designing a, a facility, roads, highway, all those different things led to what we are today. And um, setting that foundation is one of the reasons why we've been successful so far. Yeah, we, we were talking about that while we were waiting on Sean this morning. Yeah, it was late. Fee, right, your fees, and we always talk about this. My fees aren't based on just your project. It's based on 20 years of experience of doing this and learning and growing and developing skills that benefit your project, right? And so you try to explain that to clients as opposed to just, but it's just this, you're just doing this little, you just put push button, right? <laughs> on the computer, it just happens magically. Right, right, right. It's uh, all those different experiences from, you know, experiences comes from repetitiveness, right? Yeah. And I'm um, continuously being able to innovate, grow, and learn from one project to the next and applying that to the next project. So now you're more efficient. Now you're more creative. Now you have all this breadth of knowledge that you can easily access to, you know, do whatever you need to produce the product that the client wants. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being on the other side of of it, you know, Mike's talking about that fee-based structure and, and, you know, the it took 25 years or 23 years or whatever it was. I mean, even on the employee side, I was having a one-on-one the other day and it was like, it's just so easy for you to do it. Like I, I could, and my expectation is that I can sit down and do it just like that. And I said, how long are you, I mean, how long have you been into your career out of school? Uh, oh, well, a short period of time, right? And I'm not certified in this yet and this yet. So how can you expect to sit down and uh, actually, you know, discounting a little bit the 25 years that it took to get here that I can go and create a landing page with some copy and some pictures and whatever that is in that funnel within a couple hours. Like that took 25 years. And it's it's hard to for others to other, other side want to say, hey, I want to do that, and I want to be efficient at that. And and oh, I watched a YouTube video, and I'm I'm there. Well, no, there is that journey of what's right and what's wrong, and it's more about what we learn from the mistakes and what not to do. And we we often discount that. Well, and it's like I'm a baseball fan, you know. So and I forget there was a couple of coaches that uh, I think Frank Robinson. I think it was Frank mm-hmm. Robinson. Because uh, Jamie Carroll had locally played for him, mm-hmm. you know, when he was. And it was so funny because they'd always be like, he, his whole coaching philosophy was like, you just go up there and hit it. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like a curveball? And they're trying to, it's like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Just go up there and hit the damn ball. You know, it's yeah. like, because he couldn't teach it, you know, because he just could do it. Yeah. And he was good at it. And that's where, I think with me, that's where my struggles are. People ask me and I'm like, I don't know you just do it like what do you mean i gotta sit here and think i don't let me think okay if i do x i do i just don't operate like that because of that experience you know you get it down well you really learn from when you get inexperienced so if you think of the process of actually becoming a, a civil engineer you go through four years of school plus or minus you know some of us take five you know but more of the story mm-hmm. is you, you go through school you get your you know um ei you take that exam after you pass then you do four years of working in the field before you can be a licensed engineer, right? Why is that? Well, because you have lives at risk. You make one mistake on a building and that building can collapse. So how many people could you die? You yeah. Know, you, you make a mistake on a bridge, you know, how many people can die from a bridge? You, the water quality, if water is contaminated, you know, these things that the mistakes are so great. So when you ask someone to re- reduce their fees, that quality is what you're going to lose, right? If you're talking about the, so experience is what really what takes you to the next level is makes us, you know, professionals in anything we do, right? And then yeah. there's that time lag. I always call that time lag because if you're a doctor, you screw up, you might kill someone instantly. Yeah. With us, it might be 10 years, 15 years down the road, mm-hmm. and you have a catastrophic failure mm-hmm. that costs lives or building collapses or is condemned just yeah. because maybe it shifted enough on the structural mm-hmm. that you got to tear it down something yeah. right. but it's always years later that's why people don't look to us and go oh yeah someone could die yeah and multiple people like this usually a lot more it's not just one person right. so yeah yeah we are in a 365 24 7 where everything's accessible and the hardest thing to do today is slow down the speed up 
you know, the, to be able to get down into the whys and the hows. And, you know, people say, well, you know, from a marketing perspective, we just speak it and therefore it is. But then when you you say it and you put it out there and then people come to, you know, be a part of that overall message and they're like, no, 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 it's not close. But then you're like, well, just like what I, I had the conversation. No, it's not really like that. Well, yeah, it is. Like we're, we feel it. We see it right now. Uh, that journey looks like that, looks like this today. But yet, as owners, we often want to be the operators and just go, we're going to push through. We're going to f- solve this one time. And then when at the end, we're going to make it all right for the long term. But then the next fire drill shows up and, then, and we seldom want to take that time to slow down to speed up and multiply, right? Multiplication is the hardest thing, I think, as business owners to really get out of the operator mentality of I get to do all this, right? It's like when you're able to scale, you said 45 employees. So the ability to look at them and go, I believe in you. I'm I'm going up the mountain before you. I'm going to test everything out, but I'm going to come back and you're eventually going to do this same thing for us so that I can be out doing what I need to do. Uh, that client experience and those lives that are at stake, we've multiplied exactly through. So uh, we have those healthy leaders. What I know you're focused on culture, yes. right? And team building and how does your personal experience, how, where'd that come from for, for you personally to, to implement that and be important in a business, especially a young business? Yeah, you know, um, what do I, I say? It's a lot of us at JQ are outcasts, meaning that um, our experience has brought us here, whether it's positive or negative. And we've taken all of our past experiences and we left them back to start something new. You know, how often is a brand new civil engineering firm started? I mean, you probably can't think of the one that's called maybe five to 10 years and let alone being able to scale uh, to what we've done. But what we've done is we've, we've taken a personal, like, treat each other how you want to be treated at the end of the day. You know, yeah. think about how, what it was that brought you here. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. We spent a lot of time creating that, that culture where our, our core values of the company are fun, integrity, quality, and commitment. With fun being number one. Why, why can't you have fun at work? Why does engineering have to be boring? You know, why, the more we spend majority of our time in offices with our coworkers more than we do at home. You need to have to ways to make that enjoyable. Well, about three weeks ago, we did this event called our Day of Reflection. We took a pretty much a party bus out. The whole company got on this bus and we drove around to all the different sites to really understand what we build. And now that came from because when I drive with my kids, my kids say, "Daddy, did you do this? Daddy, did you do this? Did you do this?" And no, I didn't build every road and every building, but I did do this. And so. We have a high stress environment where we we finish one project, then we go to the next one. So this day of reflection is we drove to North Central High School, we went to Northview Middle School, we went to a library, we went to Center for Leadership Development, all these important projects that are changing people's lives. You know, kids are learning to read. Libraries change communities, community centers, um, Douglas Park, all these different aspects. But going back and appreciating, wow, this is what my structural engineer done. You know, this is what our civil engineering person done. This is the stormwater we created. Knowing that we're part of something bigger gives you a sense of, you know, we are making a change. Um, I like to say that uh, we're kind of the unsung heroes of society. What I mean by that is that no one knows what we do until something goes wrong. If everything's going perfectly right, we've done an amazing job. You know, name the last time you called a structural engineer and said, man, these walls are incredibly straight. Thanks for, you know, designing them well, you know, or man, this road hasn't flooded in forever. People don't do that. But knowing that what we do will keep society going is our self-gratification, our experience level and making sure it's on the forefront. Right. Because at the end of the day, we deliver a set of plans to a client and they build it. And then we go back to doing something else. So. Making sure every experience, make sure everybody feels appreciated, something we really focus on in our culture. So how do you balance the, you know, the innovation of the opportunity for the moment to build something new, but as a culture also go, this has to be sustainable for 100 years? 
like what's the mindset within the organization because a lot of a lot of organizations are all about innovation or they're all about the present and within engineering and architecture you kind of have i mean you're like oh i want to be the known for building the next great this or that but you're also like, that has to last for 100 years. It has to last for 200 years. You know, um, we can build something that lasts 200 years, but can the client afford that? Yeah. So, you know, you can design for a 1,000 years, but put the biggest pipe in the ground that can stop. But realistically, you know, how much can we afford? So it's a balance of, you know, designing for what's practical, what's under budget and realizing that, you know, it is going to be some risk. There's going to be something that catastrophic event that may or may not happen, but you know, if it can happen in a thousand years, fine. So it's a balance. We have a set of standards, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has standards that they design by and um, being realistic, you know, with the client, um, what they're asking for. If these awesome architects come up with some crazy ideas, we'll, we'll work with them, you know, <laughs> and we'll, we'll try to do it. But at the same time, it's, are you willing to pay for you know, what needs to be done. How important is it? How important is it to the, the end user? So it's a balancing act. I, I would love to say that everyone is easy, but every project is completely different, which goes to why experience is important. So how much of that is really communication, building relationship and trust with, you know, you, you know, working directly with the architect and then the architect, obviously having a client that has expectations, how much does communication and frequent communication come into play there? I'm a hundred percent. We have to communicate all the time, but I think the big thing you hit on is trust, trusting who you're working with, because we are a brand new entity. Like we're still a startup phase. And many of these firms that we're working with have worked with engineers, structural, civil, you know, all the above sustainability for many years. So building that trust and, you know, the resume, you know, the first few years, were, they were tough, you know, but I feel that we have built up the experience and trust, but the communication is 100% over communicate. I mean, that, that's with anything. And um, the more you communicate, the more that you are on the same lines. And I feel like when communication is lost across any board, that's when things can go awry. Well, and I think from the architect's standpoint, you know, forgetting past history, but the way we always go about projects is it's a team, right? We built a team. It's not me designing it. It's us designing it, right? And, and like you said, if you're having that communication, that feedback, it's very easy to go, hey, okay, guys, we see what you're doing in this room, but there's got to be a column right in the middle. Otherwise, it's going to get more expensive. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. No, okay, let me think. And mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe if we do this and we figure out a different way to treat that column so it becomes a special feature in the room, you know, there's always something that you can do from a design standpoint um, because we are working with budgets. We are working with uh, some limitations. And to say, nope, get that column out of here, mm-hmm. It sometimes isn't an option, right? Yeah. Might blow the budget. No, I, I agree 100%. Practical design. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're, you're, you're growing up and as you said, at an early age, you knew, you know, what do you wanted to be? You wanted to be an engineer. Like how much does that journey impact your product today? How much do you go back and reflect on that? childhood curiosity and how much do you continue you know that journey today well it's, it's all about i guess a lot of things start with legos as i, I laugh you know as everybody starts to look let's build something and uh what do you want to build how do you want to build it um then it goes to your strengths and weaknesses well i really don't want to be a lawyer and i don't want to be a doctor right so you know it kind of narrowed down into what you what you really want and then you get engineering and how many different engineers you know they're civil mechanical electrical um so really narrow down to what you want to do and you know what really drives you um but you know there were there were three stages that were really important in my career um the first stage was obviously learning to be a great engineer and that just takes experience it takes time so spending I don't know, seven to 10 years, actually just being engineer, learning what we're doing, because you can't run an engineering firm if you're not an engineer, right? Um, the second stage uh, was I wanted to my second company was actually learning the management. You know, there's all different aspects of 
engineering, but running the actual company, you know, there's no book that says, how do you run an engineering company, right? Especially civil engineering, it really gets even smaller. And then the third stage was the, the marketing and business development aspect. How do you get projects? You know, what is the client wanting? So engineering management and then um, the business development, understanding the client's point of view were the three stages that were needed for JQL to properly launch and really take off. And there's some, knowing from experience, you know, when you're the young young firm coming out, it's always where they, even the new ownership in a firm, you got to prove yourself, right? So there's a little bit, I always feel like a little bit of ego that has to be checked for a minute because clients are going to get mad at you because you're not meeting their expectations maybe or, or something. So I always look at that too and, you know, in the journey to when we open, reopen the office in Indianapolis, you know, there's a high expectations, you're the new one, you're, and then when you kind of fall, you have to go, oh, okay, we, that was our fault, right? Yeah. We did that. We made those mistakes and we got to improve. So we look at those experiences as a chance to learn and grow. Yeah. Reputation and quality is probably the biggest thing that we have in our industry. You know, you, you have one chance for someone to give you opportunity, and if you fail, I mean, you're just you're flat. So we really, really managed our growth where we didn't overextend and we didn't overpromise. You know, we did what we did and we did it well. And if we couldn't do it, we told the client that and they appreciated it. And then we were able to come back once we succeeded in what we were good at to give us the opportunity next. And so reputation is um, so, so important because word of the mouth, we were in a very small industry when it comes to architecture engineering in Indiana. And I'm sure you guys know in Evansville, everybody knows everybody. <laughs> almost in Indianapolis, too. You know, yeah. It's a bigger market, but mm-hmm. almost everybody knows everybody at different sizes, especially for projects that we're doing. But. Absolutely. The small, big city experience, mm-hmm. you know, when you look across the how we it, it is about the relationships and the trust and just the long term, you know, as the so. When we, we've used the word experience like probably a hundred times already in this podcast, we can go through and we could probably make a drinking game out of that 530 on main here, like, like the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many times do they say the word? What does the word experience mean to you, Jarms? I think that experience personally is Jarvis Joyner is built upon his experiences in life. Um, that's who I am. Um, my experiences, what create me, my ideas, uh, my thoughts. And I think that's why it's important for people to have as many experiences as you can in life. Um, even go from just growing up in the same city or town, you know, going out and meeting different people, going out to, to experience different places, you know, that is going to continue to broaden you as a, a person, as a human in general. And so the least amount of experiences you have, and I hate to say this, is probably that's where your mind is going to stay. In yeah. order for you to grow as a person, if you have to have more and more experience. That's why we, with our kids, we introduce them to so many different aspects. We don't know what they're going to take. But at least they're able to adapt. I think of the, the movie Slumdog Millionaire, if you guys ever seen it. Yeah. Like, you never know what these things are going to come and how they're going to affect you in life. But the more you're open, the more you grow. And it comes from business, too, right? The locations. I, I used to come to Evansville probably 15 years ago at one of my past companies. And, you know, I, I've been down here and now I'm back again. Right. And I can say, oh, I remember this was here. I remember this was there. You know, I remember the old casino was here. You know, mm-hmm. those experiences give me roots to, you know, grow. One thing that we really do at JQOL is we're not just engineers and inspectors and surveyors. Like the entire culture has to balance. What I mean by that is we do not separate personal from work life because a lot of your closest friends are some of your coworkers, right? And so that balance of work, home life, but we encourage all of our employees to join two organizations. 
one organization is a technical organization. You know, be a master in, at your trade. You know, be on an executive committee. The second one is do something completely out of what you do, whether it's Habitat for Humanity, whether it's, you know, walking puppies. But that balance in life is what's going to really create you to have a different experience, a different outlook. So when you come to work, you're experiencing these things. And so we really encourage a holistic approach when it comes to work. Sounds very intentional on the five circles of influence, Mr. Uh, Davis. Yeah, I was telling them all about Giant and, and that kind of stuff. So, I, I was learning so, about it. Yeah, he was telling so them. Where, the int- so uh, I made a TikTok the other day. and we're, we're was it a dance? It was not a dance. It was actually uh, – <laughs> it was not a dance. No one wants to see that. I, I did that back in the day, and that could, that could go viral, I'm sure. Um, but one of the TikToks – was literally uh, Ben walked in and asked me a question. And, and the question was, hey, I seem to get along. Like at work, you know, this person and I, you know, we, we, we sit down and we work well together, but something's just off, you know, like what is it? And I went, there's a, there's a tool uh, called the influence model, and it has to do with like there's competence and credibility, and then there's character and chemistry. And I said, well, you know, and on this video, quickly, I pulled the tool out, and it's visual, and I said, see, what happens here is you're very competent and credible at work, but the fact that you never take it any further and actually ask, like, you know, anything that actually gets to character and chemistry, the person doesn't know much about you. So you're always talking about work. You're always talking about your milestones, and you're very, you know, competent and credible, but that wall of self-preservation on the other side, which gets to relationship, when that wall of self-preservation goes down, I said, what I would ask is that over the next 30 days, you go in and ask how the family's doing. Hey, maybe let's go to lunch. Hey, let's go to have coffee. Um, So that more of that character and chemistry comes through, and then that wall of self-preservation comes down. And what we're really seeing is there's trust, which then the second wall comes down and you have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So immediately my my TikTok group is like there's this 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 huge following of work is not family. Work is not family. You have to separate family and work. We need to get back to everybody's got to give 120% of their day. I don't care what's going on at home and I was actually shocked at that. Yeah. What are, what's your mindset around just getting to know people for a little more than like what it is that they do at work? How does that impact culture? Um, what you just said, we that is not ours at all. Um, so I find it easier if, say, um, let's say Mike's not getting his project done, but I actually know that Mike's wife is sick or his puppy is not feeling well. Well, now I understand why rather than I just see that it's not getting done because I understand, you know, how can I help out? Or, you know, maybe there's a little, once he gets past this, he's going to be back, right? That little bit of knowing what that person is going through, putting yourself in, a, it, it may not just be what's going on here at the office. There's things outside that are influencing that, you know, when I hear laughter through the office, people are laughing, actually enjoying themselves. I'm like, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say, oh, yeah, can you watch my puppy later? Or, you know, hey, I got to run to lunch really fast. And that's us as a employer being, you know, what do you got? Flexible. Yeah. Right. And so it's a lot easier to, you know, you can be mad at somebody and da, 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 da. But, you know, at our company, we have unlimited flexible time off. Okay. Um, when I first started doing that, people, oh, my God, how do you how do you track everything? Well, well, quite frankly, we don't punch, punch a clock anyway. You know, we trust everybody. But that trust is built on not leaving your coworkers behind, right? If you need to take off this week of Thanksgiving, make sure that all your projects are up to date so this person doesn't have to work harder. And it works because we understand that. And we necessarily feel bad if a person has to work after hours. So we make sure that all of our stuff is done, one, we're not hurting our coworkers, and two, so we can go and enjoy our time off, right? Worst thing to do is be working on vacation, right? So you want to have a clear mind, enjoy yourself. At the same time, make sure all your deadlines work. And 
for the past four years, we have not tracked anybody's time off. Yeah. Yeah, and that comes from, like you said, trust, but also positional power, right? Not leading from a yeah. position of power, yeah. but a position from influence. And if you're influencing, then everybody, you know, it's not my project and I'm getting my work done. It's, hey, yeah, oh, you're struggling. I don't want you to have to be here late. I'm slow. How can I help you out? Maybe it's just doing some quick little thing that seems meaningless, but it helps save time for your, your team. We love the model that, you know, say we're working in a restaurant and you're a waiter and you have, you know, three tables and you're counting on your tips and, you know, you're going to make sure these three tables are always clean, right? These are my tables, you know, I'm taking care of these people. But say you're in an environment where you have 20 tables and everybody's sharing tips. Well, you're not just worrying about your three tables. You're making sure that everybody's helping each other out. You know, it's a group mindset. And that's what we focus on at JQL Quality Life is how we're all working together. You know, it's not JQL Survey, JQL Civil, JQL Structural. And in the day, we're all representing one brand and we're working together to put our best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah, the the pushback was corporations are taking advantage of this word name family, and it's only in their best interest to generate profit that that they want to use this word family. And it was interesting that we never once in any of the comments or any we went back and actually like transcribed the conversation. It was never work equals family, but when you actually stack it up and you look at your 168, which is the total number of hours that we we all have in a week, right? Uh, you know, Elon Musk, that's the one thing we all share. We all have 168. And when you stack it up, we spend more, we spend just as, you know, as much time at work than any other thing. So it, it, it does come back around to, if you look at how that eight hours, 40 hours, whatever it is there out of the 168, comes back to us and go, how are we intentionally living through that? And are we enjoying that? You know, do we have purpose in what we do? Do we have psychological safety there? Is what we're doing impactful? You know, does it have meaning, you know, in is there structure and stability within it? And if you have that as an organization, I think it's, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. This, uh, you know, just check, check in and do the 90 hours and do as I say, not as I do. Those those days are, are long behind us. Uh, it's unfortunate, even as we have went through the great resignation, we're still at a point where, uh you know, 72% of people still are looking for the next thing because they don't have a relationship with their direct report. Yeah. Now, I would, I would, I would argue against where you're going with that because you have this nice little model, right? You're, Which little model? Influence model. Yeah. Self, self, family. Yes. And I, I think that's where most people are going with when they say work isn't family because those people are sacrificing their family. Their actual family siblings and everything and their health yeah for the company and that's where it gets out of kilter right yeah but if they're doing all if they're taking care of themselves their family their team comes work their team then it goes out to the community and that's when it becomes healthy yeah yeah and and you know this creative pioneer once would always say that you know if you're not spending 80 hours in in the office and you know we're all fighting for the next big job and you know to shatter the next big record or win the next big award that then you're not completely bought in but you know i've learned through building it up and tearing it down that 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 self first that family second and then team and then organization only carries you further into the community because if you're okay with yourself and you're out in the community and paying zero attention to anyone in the middle, it's always that conversation of why somebody's helping out at the, the YMCA flipping pancakes and, hey, you know, I mean, I'm on that board with, uh, you know, Sean and, man, he's a great guy. And this person's like, you know, they're a ch- he's a jerk. Like, have you ever really met him at work? Like, he's a driver. He's never there and he expects the moon and da-da. Like, that's probably a case study that people could say about me early on in my leadership journey. Because I was. I was focused about, hey, I'm going to get 100% healthy. I'm going to impact my community through that. And then very accidental at home. Wasn't home a lot, you know. And then came back with the team. Had over, you know, expectations that were way too high on what we could deliver, you know, on time and on budget. And, you know, that creates a lot of stress. 
and uh, we just, I just wasn't well, self-aware. On the team too. Oh yeah. You know, and they see it and they pick up on it, and you start to watch it track down, right? The mm-hmm. energy level, and you're like, okay, we got a reverse course here. How do we make this better? How do we? Yeah, let's. And it's it's fun now to be able to actually put numbers to things, put analytical numbers to things, and go, hey, what's your peace index? Hey, what's your 70-30? Where are you at on your hope meter? Hey, what's going on over here uh, You know, on my support challenge matrix? Am I dominating this week? Am I liberating? You know, where am I at? You know, am I, how, do we, how do we work together and have that objective? Because before it was like, I don't know what tools you have, Jarvis, but it was like, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> how are you doing? Like, you know, well, I don't know. Uh, well, Michigan's week by like it was great Colts lost uh you know my dog was sick this morning I guess I'm okay well how does all that work and then everything's okay right uh so now to be able to say analytics behind your culture is is very very important but Mike you have some awesome questions that you normally ask that we should we should probably to be consistent touch on those too yeah let's touch on those (laughs) yeah so what's something you use we're in the design industry what's something you use that's every day that's well designed that you couldn't not necessarily live without but you're just like man this is so well designed that i don't even notice i'm using it but it is an important tool yeah um as far as design wise um, obviously, AutoCAD is our best friend when it comes to um, engineering design software. Um, it can be used across multiple disciplines. Then uh, MicroStation is used transportation-wise. And when we work with uh, architects, we our structural engineers use Revit and uh, BIM 360. So those are the main tools that we use on a consistent basis. And they, and they work really well. There's a lot of different um, extensions from StormCAD and uh, Drainage, all these different aspects. but you know, the, these tools are great, but you have to have understand the background, the experience, so what goes into them to make them the most effective tool. It's not just a button. It's not just, just a button. Just draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just copy stuff. Copy. Oh, I'll just copy that last project. It's so easy. No. No thought goes into it. Just mindlessly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's sarcasm, folks. there's a lot that goes into a lot of thought and and depending on what your deliverable is right because a lot of times you're delivering you might have to deliver more accurate model on some projects because that's what the client or the job requires and sometimes it's just that paper copy right Mm -hmm. and so you can take some liberties there uh, in your model or have stuff in your model that maybe doesn't show up on the, the paper but, but they, they will they will ask the background for it. Yeah. <laughs> we have to you know deliver that to the government agencies to get all the different permits. Yeah. So even though we have the set of plans, we still have to you know provide the justification for why, what, where we did. So being a a digital agency when we first started to get to uh, consumer experiences, how has digital changed? your workforce and in your uh product oh man it's it's interesting i'll tell you a funny story is um when we acquired our owensboro offers um we still have a big warehouse full of um old plots plans from surveying of 40 plus years i mean these plans take up this whole table in front of us um we're working on digitizing them now right because <laughs> it's just more efficient. Yeah. Like, well, as soon as we get these plants, we can eliminate, you know, 2,000 square feet of office space that is just storage. So um, being able to connect from our Louisville, Indianapolis, and Owensboro office, I mean, uh, digital is it. You know, one of the first things we done was make sure we have a network database where we can share files easily and efficiently. Um, we learned during COVID, we don't have to be at the office, you know? Uh, the office, we love to be in the office. Don't get me wrong, we love the team aspect, but being able to still design, still be able to complete our projects with not necessarily being right in front of people is one way we've been able to adapt. In fact, our office, we have flexible hours, but we're Monday through Thursday, 
in the office with Friday being virtual optional. Mm -hmm. So all of this, just technology and being able to keep things in the cloud, being able to network really takes us to be more efficient and helps our expansion. I mean, there's no way we would have been able to, I mean, Owensboro is a three and a half hour drive from Indianapolis and Louisville is two hours. So being able to hit all these different places and a streamless event, streamless network is really important. So as you're traveling around, your experiences, what's your, what's a place that makes you emotional that you really have like fond feelings of or uh, memories of? Man, I I am a super nerd and I, um, I'm going to go overseas with this one is, uh, I don't know why it was, was in uh, England when I went to a Stonehenge. I don't know what it was. Like, it was just like misty day. I feel like it was a movie. And I walk (laughs) up to these huge, like, rock foundations in the middle of nowhere, and they're all around the circle, and they got these locking keys. And I... I look at today, we have cranes, we have all these equipment to move things to different locations. And I'm like, how the heck did these people get these things there? And I know it was aliens. (laughs) 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 But uh, (laughs) it was giants. Like, there's no bigger way. Like, where they drug these from, from far out the mountains and got them here and put them like. Come on now. There's something true to Lord of the Rings and, you know, all these different things. I, I got to be. Yeah, so, but, you know, some of those emotional things. But walking into a facility, seeing the, when we went to um, Frederick Douglass, groundbreaking, because this is a, a low-income area, this community park is, and area I grew up in, Indianapolis, seeing that this community facility has been there over a hundred years. We're building, redesign, and transforming this whole park that kids go through on a daily basis. Um, it's so heartwarming that I know I'm doing the right thing in my life, right? I know I'm where I am supposed to be. Uh, when you get that feeling of the impact that you're making in the community, so. Yeah, you probably, a lot of similarities there in, in architecture too and when it comes to urban sprawl or just throwing stuff up and the uh, i mean people just don't again it's you people don't recognize good design yeah. but they know bad design when they see right. it and interact with it and, and people just yeah. a lot of times accept it and that the impact of that design of your community mm-hmm. how much it impacts you uh, people just you don't realize it's almost like on a subconscious level. And if it's designed really well to benefit not only your house, but your community and how you interact with everything in your community, um, the resources that are close to you, right? Impacts your quality of life. 100%, 100%. So we are- See fifth- what I did there in the way? Man, you're so oh, good, wow. so good, man, go. so man. good. Rolls off your tongue. Man. Man, we get better through experiences, better through experiences. So we're about 50 minutes in here uh, as we start to wrap up at 530 on Main, brought to you by VPS Architecture and Extend Group. Um, Mike has a question over there. Well, he's going to shuffle the pod <laughs> decks uh, deck over there. I have a question. Um, what person, brand, or product has the most holistic, authentic experience today? Who's doing it right? Like what brand, what person, who's out there doing it through influence? I Influence. I, I would tell you this. I tell my, my executive leadership team, I want us to be Starbucks happy. Like when you go to Starbucks and the employees there are so happy to give you this frappuccino, latte, latte, like... And they, obviously, I know there's cheating. Like, obviously, they don't really know my name, but they call me by name. And I'm so startled because I'm walking away. They're like, bye, Jarvis. I'm like, how do you know I did that? You know, <laughs> like, how do I get that within JQL? How do we get that with our architectural firm yeah. where people are Starbucks happy at work? You know, and I don't know the whole aspects, but I just see that, you know, how do we make people feel, how do we continue to grow and build that amongst us? Um, so I, I like how they do that. Um, you know, I want, 
I want engineering and architecture to be cool again, right? I don't want to be looked at the nerds of society. Oh, they're doing this. Like, how do we continue to make it an exciting field for, because quite frankly, engineering is a declining industry, especially amongst minority and women. Um, it's one of my passions. And uh, we're getting less, I mean, less of a workforce. You know, women are dropping out and never coming back. Women are not getting their architectural license. They're not getting their engineering license. So how do we create this where it's an exciting field where STEM is a place where people want to be and continue to be and show the impact? And so I think there's a lot of firms that are doing it right from women, minority owned firms. Um, but there's so much more and so much work that we have to build and grow. Nice. All right. Interview pod. Deck. Sean found this. Social media, man. Social media. It just knows what I'm looking for all the time. Questions to start a conversation. Pod decks against humanity. So you, or no? you pull it <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can answer it. If it's like, yeah, this is too personal. Oh, this is awesome. Who are your heroes in real life? This is actually probably one of my favorite ones, and I'm so glad I can incorporate this. Uh, My mom's my my, uh, hero in life. Um, She's been on one of my 40s. She's been on the Indianapolis Police Department for 38-plus years. Um, She is a captain, one of the highest-ranking black women police officers in Indianapolis, um, she has done all different types of um, roles there, you know, from she's, she's done everything. She's everybody knows her and she has a great reputation. You know, you find you rarely find one person that dislikes her and it's probably because she arrested him. But that's not her fault. Right. <laughs> but um, she raised three boys. Um, me and my two younger brothers done an amazing job and continue to set and she continued to you know, continue to grow, you know, into her 60s, continue to, you know, push herself to the limit, you know, and go more and more, loves to travel. And she's the one that created all these experiences to make Jarvis Joyner who he is. You have one? Yeah, um, any veteran. My dad was Navy CB, so any veteran, anybody that serves the military to keep us safe keep us free and the sacrifices they make not even, not only just the battle wounds but even if they come back without them they still have emotional and their family what they have to go through to, to serve and i love the fact because they're putting their lives on a line for so many other people we don't really know what they have done mm-hmm. for our safety Right. Yeah, I mean, and first responders are right there too, obviously, yeah. because they're going out in these dangerous situations. And mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. I have to get present and just, uh, you know, one of my heroes, Suzanne Dimsey. She's my, my grandmother, uh, 80 plus years old, uh, right now in rehab. But the product that you see here today would not be what it is. Uh, she's a believer. Uh, passed that on along to me. Uh, even when people would have said, you know what, it's time to stop, you know, believing in Sean or, you know, whatever it is that's going on, you know, there was always that one more chance. And she's instilled that in me, uh, her and my grandfather. But uh, today, as, you know, she's going through, mul- I mean, multiple uh, life challenges, she's still positive. Still gives, you know, thanks to the uh, great Lord above and says that, you know, this too shall pass and there will be another day. And it's it's amazing to watch her on her journey is, you know, probably on the sunset phase of things. Right. But still be able to wake up and even in a, a rehab facility today, be positive about the outlook that she has and say that she's got family that's going to get her through it. She has faith that's going to get her through it. And if not, that uh, that day when we're not around will be even greater. So, uh, yeah, Suzanne Dempsey is the hero I'm going to highlight today. So um, how do our listeners connect with you? Um, obviously through email, um, jjointer at jqolusa.com, j-j-o-i-n-t-e-r at jqolusa.com. Uh, feel free to reach out and um, contact me any way you want. 
All right. Do you have? Uh, are you on LinkedIn? Do you like any of the other social platforms? Uh, LinkedIn is perfect. That's the only social media I have. Okay. Uh, but LinkedIn is amazing. Please connect with me on there. Um, put a little note because I get a lot of red notification <laughs> requests. So yeah, say you heard me on the podcast, I'd be appreciative. You get the ones that say, "Hey, can you handle another two hundred, you know, leads per week?" And oh yeah, <laughs> that one, that one, recruiters. Um, you know, nothing wrong with anybody, but uh, yeah, please connect. Awesome, awesome. Well, any closing thoughts as we start to wrap up at five thirty on Main? We are an hour in as we uh, look to the future here. Jarvis, we we thank you, Mike. Any closing? I was going to say, are we going to date the podcast if we say? Have a great Thanksgiving, folks. No, we won't. Uh, Hopefully we'll be on here before Christmas. Yes, we'll be back. We'll be back before Christmas, get this one out. Typically, it's about a two-week uh, turnaround, but we'll still be in the middle between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. But, yeah, we hope everyone out there has a great Thanksgiving. Time to be thankful for uh, wherever we're at and whatever experience we're going through Uh yeah. So uh, once again, at 530 on Main is brought to you by Extend Group and VPS Architecture. You can find it at extendgroup.com. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a big at 530 on Main logo there. Click on that. If you go to vpsarc.com, uh, same thing. They actually kind of match. I wonder how that happened, but it did somehow, some way. Coincident- yeah, <laughs> coincidental user experience. So uh, if you scroll down to the bottom, you can click it. You'll see all the past episodes. You can uh, find us on all the uh, podcast streaming platforms team here. I want to give a shout out to Extend Group uh, team for making sure that if there's a new one that comes out, we somehow magically end up on it. And uh, I thank you for that. So once again, as we wrap up at 530 on Main, Mike, thank you. Thank you. Charms, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. At 530 on Main. Till next time. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.